The Outline World Dispatch. Wednesday, June 14th, 2017. I'm William Turton. Today on the Dispatch, I look at invisible microscopic dots. And I was able to tell which kinkos a particular print was from because it was clear that the patterns were different. And Anne Derek Gaio looks at stock photography. The issue was that it was very hard to find imagery that was diverse. Here's the dispatch. The future. In the lives of others, a movie about the radicalization of a playwright living under communist rule in East Germany, a key plot point revolves around identifying what type of typewriter was used to write an article by an anonymous critic of the government. Every typewriter in East Germany is registered, so an editor smuggles in a foreign one that prints in red ink. The authorities become obsessed with hunting for the red ink typewriter. If they can find the typewriter, they will find their man. Surprisingly, this situation isn't all that different from an incident that was in the news last week. A once-secret code, invisible to the naked eye, may have been one of the markers used to identify and eventually arrest NSA leaker Reality Winner. 25-year-old reality winner denied bail and led away in shackles. Reality Lee Winner, an Air Force veteran who worked as a government contractor, is accused of removing classified material from a government facility and mailing it to a news outlet. Security researchers have theorized that Winner's downfall could have been a small set of dots in the corner of the top-secret analysis she printed and mailed to online news outlet The Intercept. Microdots aren't some super-sophisticated spy technology used exclusively by agencies like the NSA or the CIA to stop leakers. In fact, they're a common feature in just about every commercial printer. Your own printer is probably printing a unique set of microdots into the corners of your documents without you even realizing it. Privacy advocates say the technology, pushed by the Secret Service, has negative privacy implications, and have been researching the technology for over a decade. I mean, back here around 2005, I was on TV quite a bit talking about this. Oh, I had really? radio interviews and we had some newspaper stories. Seth Schoen is a longtime staff technologist at the Electronic Frontier Foundation, a digital rights advocacy group. After reading a PC World article revealing the existence of microdots in 2004, Schoen started researching. And still, it's sort of like, gee, a lot of people are saying they're hearing it for the first time. With the help of an intern, Seth went to Kinko's locations all over San Francisco and printed out pages. He used a microscope to magnify the corner of the pages he printed out. It revealed a rectangular grid of yellow dots. And I was able to tell which Kinko's a particular print was from because it was clear that the patterns were different but relatively consistent within a particular printer. Just by using a microscope on a document, Seth could tell which Kinkos in San Francisco it was printed from. But he wondered if he could determine the origin of any document printed at Kinkos nationwide. So I had the idea that maybe to dramatize the privacy implications, we could just get people to go to every Kinkos in the country and send us a sample, and then we could say, well, look, even if we haven't cracked the code, there's a privacy implication here because we've built up a library of every Kinko's in the country, and now if someone prints something at Kinko's, we can tell you which one it is. So EFS supporters began heading out to their local Kinko's and mailing Seth their documents. 
We actually got um, thousands of people sent us samples from their printers or printers that they had access to. And they were coming in the mail for years. And I have a filing cabinet with still, um, I think I've kept at least a couple hundred of the samples. A volunteer that was a friend of a staff member at the EFF realized the dots were just a binary code set in a grid. Not only that, but these dots signified the printer's serial number. Eventually, they figured out the dots also revealed the date and time the document was printed. Then Seth created a computer program which allowed anyone to punch in the dots they found in their documents to see what data they contain. I mean, it's something that's very sort of interesting and cool, but it's also something that we're unhappy about as a privacy problem that it makes it a lot harder for people to make documents or signs or flyers or books and put them out there anonymously, which is a tradition that's existed in the English-speaking world, you know, since the 16 and 1700s with the whole pamphlet culture. So then why does this technology even exist in the first place? It's ostensibly a security feature that helps prevent counterfeiting. If you were using your home printer to make fake money, law enforcement could analyze the microdots printed on it to get valuable information that might lead to your arrest. That's why the Secret Service, which handles counterfeiting crimes, has pushed printer manufacturers around the world to adopt this feature. Law enforcement agencies have worked to keep the method for identifying a printer based on its microdots secret. And now some printers use an updated version of microdots that are much more complex and spread across the page. That code has yet to be cracked. There was kind of a disturbing moment uh, back in 2005 when someone who read our website called up the printer company and said, I want to know how to turn this off. So I want to know how to turn off the tracking in my printer. And the printer company actually reported that to the Secret Service. It seemed nobody had really called a printer manufacturer about this issue before. And calling up to ask how to turn off what manufacturers see as anti-counterfeiting technology might be slightly suspicious. But, I, you know, I found it pretty disturbing that this was just someone who cared about privacy and then he ended up getting interviewed by the Secret Service. I assume that right now that the companies have some awareness that the technology is somewhat unpopular. Culture. Stock photography is ubiquitous, but plucked from infinite thumbnail galleries, they're meant to be representations of our everyday lives. Generic, but specific enough that we can see ourselves in a shot of a group of people working around a laptop, a smiling couple holding a baby, a jogger on an early morning run, or even a couple in a fight. But for anyone who isn't white, cisgender, or from a Western culture, even those kinds of generic representations aren't so easy to find both as a creator using these images and as a consumer or audience observing them. But Karen Oconquo and Josh Kissy are trying to change all of that with their new company, Tonal. Karen, a Seattle-based serial entrepreneur, and Josh, a New York-based photographer and the creative director and co-founder at Street Etiquette, a creative agency, began the subscription-based company last summer. Tonal is set to launch in August, and the thousands of photos already in its pool not only showcase cultural, social, and racial diversity, but they also take aesthetics to heart, replacing the cold anonymity of stock photography with consideration for modern visual aesthetics. 
I spoke with Karen over Skype about Tonal's origins, the company's unique approach, and the founder's plans to expand the scope of what stock photography depicts and what it can do. Could you tell me a little bit about your background and Josh's background and how you guys came to be working together on this project? Prior to all of this, I um, was doing blogging for a site called The Sorority Secrets, which I founded with my two sorority sisters. And during that experience, I we were producing content online, but the issue was that it was very hard to find imagery that was diverse. And granted, we did a really good job of taking our own pictures, but even in that sense, it was still hard to find people of outside of the Caucasian race. And that was really frustrating for me, especially since I grew up always making sure that I had a diverse friendship circle. I, it bothered me that I wasn't reflecting that with my business. So anyway, you know, years go by and I am now connected to Josh because of a friend of mine. And so I thought of this idea. I was like, gosh, you know, what if, you know, he did stock photography you know, that showcase just a more diverse crowd. I don't think it's like this huge, crazy, brilliant idea, but I haven't seen it. At least I haven't seen it done well. So months and months and months go by, flash forward to last July, or maybe it was June, trying to remember, June, July. And there was a lot of um, unfortunate incidents in the black community when it came to police brutality, police killings. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Josh was like, man, Karen, what a, what better time than to change the narrative of, um, you know, the black community and all these other underrepresented communities than to do, you know, um, the stock photography business. Like, how do you, it seems like such a daunting task. Like, how do you go about studying all the different or deciding what sorts of shoots you're trying, you want to do, or just making sure that you're doing it in the right way? Or what's your approach there? Um, we want to, I, I use the word daunting and I, I can see how it can be daunting because some people may come into this and be like, oh, I don't see my race or I don't see my ethnic background. And we are going to definitely do our best to showcase everyone, but it's going to be a trial period. You know, it's going to take a lot of community effort for us to be able to fill any space that we don't, but I'm going to say we're going to do a pretty damn good job of, of filling that. Can you tell me a little bit about the aesthetic approach too, because um, that's something that I really like about the photo that's on your website right now is that it doesn't really look like a stock photo. Yeah. So we want it to look as professional yet modern and relatable as possible, Um, especially when you're dealing with people who are from different ethnic backgrounds. It's typically um, more um, darker skin or um, olive complexion. So we just found a filter that we felt, um, made those looks, made those particular um, ethnic backgrounds, you know, stand out more. But in terms of our name tonal, um, it's just to represent different skin tones because there's just been one particular skin tone that has been conveyed in society. And so our, our whole point is to show colorism, but, but not in a segregated light, very much in an integrated um, way. And and there's certain parts of the website where you'll feel that integration. So that's just a little tidbit. Josh is the only photographer. Is that right? Yeah. So right now, um, of course it doesn't make any sense to, you can't scale or duplicate your business by having one person be the photographer. So we're well aware of that. But one of the things during our research is that we felt like there were too many un, um, 
I guess, unmanaged photos. People just kind of just threw their photos on, on some of these subscription-based platforms and there wasn't a cohesiveness. So our aim is to work with photographers who align with our look, our aesthetic. And so we're currently, um, you know, looking through a pool of people to identify a few photographers who will help us with tonal. And what have reactions from folks been like since you announced the project? Really, really positive, like overwhelming, happy, positive um, feedback. Um, I'd say that people are also even telling us what they're looking for, which is awesome because you can see a need in a community, but sometimes you're, you might be a little off or, you know, yeah, I guess more so you might be off. And so that there's nothing more golden than being able to hear from your audience beforehand. So we're hearing people say things like, oh, please showcase moms who are pregnant. Please showcase, um, um, people, couples, more couples, um, please showcase, um, more traditional food and clothing and things like that. Um, so we, we've been getting a lot of that feedback, a lot of people interested in being models and photographers too, which has been great because we are creating, you know, a little pool of people that we can reach out to later. What's your like big dream for Tonal? Man, I just want to see our pictures all over the world. Um, and I want people to start to see people for their total beauty, which is all encompassing, you know, first off, I want people to go out there in the world and look at people for their character and, and their color, this color of their skin, you know, their ethnicity is just a bonus to all of that, but it's not an, it's not an indication of, of, of who they are. You know, you learn who they are from their character. So my big dream is to honestly change the way that people view people. And I hope that it just creates more unity. That concludes The Dispatch. I'm William Turton. More stories tomorrow.